You are listening to the Enormocast. The Royal We here at the Enormocast would like to remind you that there's three great ways to get shit you need and get the Enormocast a little something as well. Bonfirecoffee.com, enter Enormo at checkout for great small batch fresh roasted coffee. PeterWGilroy.com, enter Enormo at checkout for amazing climbing-inspired jewelry and accessories for yourself or that special belayer. Emblazedbex.com, enter Normalcast at checkout to just say no to belayer neck pain. And the great thing about supporting these companies is they are the little guy. In fact, a couple of them are just one person over there at that particular little company. So you're supporting them. They are climbers. You're supporting the Normalcast, and you're getting great stuff. It's a win-win-win. Very rare in this day and age. So please consider supporting them, supporting the Enormacast, and supporting all our sponsors with your patronage. You're finally here, folks. The prettiest thing to ever be shoved in a crack. The new Black Diamond Ultralight C4. The featherweight camming champion of the world. 20 to 30% lighter than the old C4s, which means they're 20 to 30% more More sick. The BD Ultralight cams are more lightweight than bailing off the nose because you ran out of baby wipes. They're more lightweight than that kid from Provo who fell on the campfire after two beers in Indian Creek. True story. They're the device that's oh so nice and the cam that can handle the slam. If you dream of climbing with different cams, you should wake up and apologize. So check out BlackDiamondEquipment.com for the specs on these little beauties or head over to your nearest climbing retailer to fondle them with your own chubby knuckles. Put the cam down, sir. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place. Sold That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. I'll you say, you really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormous Cast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is. August 11th, 2016, about 8.30 Mountain Daylight Time. This is episode 110, 110 of the Enormacast, a conversation with big wall climber Shane Lempe. I was very excited to sit down with Shane. Shane, at first, actually wasn't that excited to sit down with me. Uh, we work it out, you know, not, not, not anything personal. He just is a little uncomfortable with any sort of spotlight and... Uh, he was a guy who kind of reviewed the list of people who've been on the show. And yeah, he he was a little intimidated. Not that every single person who's graced the Enormacast studio is some superstar, but there's some heavy hitters in that list over at Enormacast.com. So anyway, but we got over it and uh, he came down and, and we ended up kind of doing a little different tack with this one in that we uh, ended up talking about this film that he just made and that I saw at Five Point Film Festival, the festival here in town. It premiered. and we kind of got sort of the backstory behind that. That was something I did intentionally because I felt like when I saw the film that there was sort of a, a lot going on behind the scenes, as it were, or there was more details. You know, the film's 15 minutes long. Their expedition was weeks. And so, you know, you kind of wonder about all the in-between you don't see on the videos. And the other interesting thing is that a lot of times when you have a little bit of a foot in the industry or your finger is stuffed into the industry pie as it were. always love that, that metaphor. Anyway. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Fingers and pies. Um, 
What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because a lot of times you see a film and if you know some of the people that either were in it or on the trip or made the film, sometimes you have an idea that things were a little different than what's being depicted on the screen. Okay, so, you know, sometimes that's good and bad. Sometimes you know sort of the real story that uh, was not projected onto the screen for reasons that have to do with media and PR and marketing. I had no idea what went on between the shots in this one, but you could kind of feel that there was a lot of stuff going on and maybe some aftermath. So we uh, we got into it. We talked about the details. So the film is Haywire, and I don't know if it helps to watch it first or not. Uh, I'm sure it's too late because you guys have probably queued this up in your car or uh, on the train to work or something, and you just uh, aren't interested in stopping at this point and going watching the film. I will link it at enormalcast.com with this post, but it's easy to find if you just... Google Shane Lempe or Dave Offrey and Haywire is the name of the film. It's on Vimeo right now. You can watch the whole thing. Anyhow, that was kind of our game. But the cool thing is, and we'll get to this in a couple few weeks, is that I also have Dave's perspective, Shane's partner who was on the trip. And I kind of, again, did that intentionally. So we've got the two sides of this story, very dramatic story, uh, a very hard trip um, going up to Baffin in the wintertime is rough. Okay, it's uh, it's uh, not easy up there, not easy living, and you have to go in there and climb in the wintertime so you can get in on the ice. So anyhow, Baffin Island, really cool. Uh, it also references Mike Lebecki, who was on a few weeks ago. Anyway, it's all coming full circle. So we'll have this all tied together with Dave Alfrey's episode that's coming up as well. And the rest of the interview is pretty surprising. The other half, I won't spoil it, but Shane comes clean about some struggles he's had. I think that you'll find surprising and maybe helpful some of you out there. So look forward to that as well. And uh, I don't really have much business, just uh, cruising along here this summer, trying to get this thing done and raise up a little baby. The normal baby's doing well for all of you that are concerned about his well-being here in Carbondale. Beautiful place to uh, raise up a kid, and uh, it's all going really, really well, except for I don't have a lot of time to myself. So we're still cranking out these episodes, though, and hopefully you guys are still enjoying them. I think you're going to enjoy this one too. The Enormacast is proud to be partnered with Sportiva. And here's the thing. There's only one shoe that has climbed the hardest routes on El Cap, including something called the Dawn Wall. And that shoe is the TC Pro, designed by Tommy Caldwell and produced in a hollowed-out volcano in Italy by blind Zoastrian nuns. These are the shoes that our friend Hayden Kennedy once called crampons for granite. But the TC Pro is just one of so many legendary shoes in the Sportiva line. The Miras, the Testarosas, the Solutions, the Mythos, and something new called the Squama. What's a Squama? Who cares? It's Italian. So please support the Enormacast by going to Sportiva.com or your favorite climbing retailer to check out the full line of Sportiva shoes and then quit screwing around and buy a pair and come play with the big kids. So I saw your film yeah. uh, at Five Point, Haywire, okay? So how did you get into uh, making some movie for everyone else to see? It seems <laughs> like there's, there's some footage in there like that looked like it was from previous things that you were just filming probably for your own own good but uh tell me about getting you know making this movie haywire about uh about baffin a little over a year ago like uh the spring of 2015 dave alfrey and i went to baffin island it was my first expedition to the arctic and we had a really crazy trip and it was really scary, and I made I shot the whole thing and made a film about it and submitted it to Five Point, and it premiered there. And now it's getting into like a couple other festivals and mm-hmm. stuff. So and why? Why? I mean, what was that something you were into before, in terms of filming, or was that? I mean, uh, was that part of a pitch to sponsors? Was it, you know, what, what, I mean, I'm, I'm always curious about these films, like, yeah. you know, they're part passion project. Actually, they're pretty much all passion project. Cause what yeah. are they going to, what are they going <laughs> to do besides go to some film festivals and yeah. get you some recognition and your sponsors some recognition? So um, was it, I mean, was it a pitch? Was it something that you were just like into doing? So, okay. So rewind a little bit. Okay. 
So I was supposed to go on expedition to Baffin Island with Mike Lebecki. Okay. And like June or May of 2015. And right at like the, this is supposed to be myself, Dave Alfrey and Mike going. And then about a month before Mike wasn't able to make it. Okay. And so Dave and I are like, uh oh. What do we do? Do we still go? <laughs> Don't ration your passion. I'm sure Mike told you to go, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> the time is now. Yeah, the time is now. So, so anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Um, and so Dave and I like, so we're like, okay, we are gonna buy these plane tickets that are so expensive. Right. What does it cost? For like the plane tickets, like four thousand dollars a person to get to where then you get on the, on the, uh, the the snowmobiles. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, and that that doesn't include like gnarly baggage fees and all that. Sure. Stuff. Oh right, right. <laughs> um, and so once Dave and I bought our plane tickets, we were just like, uh oh, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> at the same time we're both like I mean we're we're so stoked we've wanted to go I mean they say I don't know who said it but like climbers dream of climbing on big walls in Yosemite and like big wall climbers in Yosemite dream of climbing on Baffin Island because right. just like infinite big walls like up to 5,000 feet in the Arctic mm-hmm I don't know how in depth you want to go into this. We're but. going in depth, dude. This is the, the normal cast. We go in depth. Okay. And so, yeah. So, um, so, so it sounds like a little bit like you guys used Kelly Cordes's kind of method. He, he says that you, you basically like start climbing until you get so high you can't come down anymore. It's uh-huh. like the coward's way to go climbing. You guys did like the monetary version of that. Like, we do not want to lose the money on these tickets we fucking bought, so we're yeah. in. Like, we're getting on. Yeah, well, no, we bought the tickets right after Mike. Well, I mean, even so. Out. But like, yeah, we're like, we're in and we're like. It's like you pressed. You pressed buy on the computer, and then all of a sudden, your like heart was like in your throat. Like, oh my god! I know that was the first turning point. Because I mean, for like two years, I was like, like actually like preparing. I was like, I want to go to Baffin Island, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I bought the ticket and was like, uh oh, here, here we go. Right. And so that was sort of the beginning of like a little bit of a downward spiral, like. So then Dave and I, like, I mean, uh, prepping to go on your first uh, Arctic expedition to go big wall climbing is pretty massive. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the details and logistics and all the gear and the food and all the th- everything has to be, like, really unique and specific. And, and figuring that all out was, like, I mean, we definitely, like, had some help. Like, Mike was trying to, you know, give us as much beta as we can, but you still just kind of have to, like, go for it and figure right. it out, you know? And so then... Right when I was leaving, like the so I had to drive because I was living in Yosemite working for the search and rescue team at the time, and I got a month off. I was going to start my season late mm-hmm. to go to Baffin. And so I'm driving to Fresno from Yosemite, and then I like my wife and I, we just got married, and mm-hmm. we're sitting at like this Indian restaurant, and I'm like, definitely like kind of stressed but like trying to hold it together <laughs> um because dude it's scary man like th- the like just thinking about going on a trip like that and then i realized i had forgotten my passport and so then i had to, i had a friend like drive it to me halfway and i got that in like the middle of the night right before my flight that was at like five in the morning the next morning out of fresno out of fresno okay. and then i'm i'm like kissing my wife goodbye and I'm like super emotional and then I realized I like can't find my wedding ring and then I lost my wedding ring and then I missed my flight to go to Vegas to pack up like everything pack up the whole expedition like a few hours before our, our flight okay to, to meet Dave in, in Vegas yeah right. and so I missed that flight and so Dave has to pack everything alone in eight haul bags <laughs> and then 
finally I get to Vegas and it's like three in the morning. We have to get up in two hours to catch our flight to Baffin. And then we finally get on the flight and then I've got like this little journal. I'm going to try journal every day. Mm -hmm. And I write in there, this might have been the worst mistake of my life. (laughs) And just like imagine going on like, like this the biggest trip of your life and that's kind of how it starts right, out right 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 you're not like and so it's like well, let me can what was uh and was dave i mean dave's pretty like monumentally psyched all the time was he the polar opposite of you i mean or was dave, or were you guys both like the super dave is like so psyched but he also definitely had some moments of sure. terror okay of like where he's like uh-oh what are we doing mm-hmm. like, oh my god <laughs> And we both had like, we both had like similar experiences on the plane. And then after the plane, I was like, dude, I was kind of like freaking out a little. He's like, me too. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's and so nice. we were in it, like we were definitely in it together and it made it way harder that we didn't have this other person that had been to Baffin six sure, times. Sure. Like that was your passport was going to be Mike Lebecki, who's like walks in and yeah. knows everybody at the outpost and like knows how to drive the snowmobiles and whatever yeah. else you need him to do. So basically what that meant is this, everything was so much harder. Right. Like we get there. Well, let me, can I ask you a question about the, uh, yeah. about Baffin? I've never actually talked to, I mean, I talked to Mike on the show, but okay. we didn't get into specifics. So that's kind of when you said, let's go how in depth. Cause yeah. I actually, I think this is really interesting, yeah. especially cause it's like a first expedition for you guys both. Right. Um, he had, he's been like to Alaska and like okay. the Waddington range, okay. but I mean, this is like the first full on. Yeah. Like, it's a big deal. So let me ask you that the commitment level when you go to do something like what you guys were doing. You have a sat phone. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where it's not working, but you get it working. But even with the sat phone, what is the commitment of like, okay, somebody's hurt, what's the time frame? And what are the things that could get in the way of like anybody getting in there to see you guys? Well, I mean, how are, out there are you? I mean, we, okay. <sighs> I mean, it would definitely be a few days. Right. And it was, right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not, you're not as remote as Antarctica, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but for me, it was like definitely like the most remote I had ever Sure. The deli's not like (laughs) down there staying up until 10 on a Saturday night for you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know that there's like more involved places to go, but for me, it was like, the most I could possibly handle. Look, it's handle. up there. Yeah. I mean, there's probably like jungles and things and countries where, you know, yeah. it's going to be really hard to raise any sort of help. Yeah. But it's, I mean, as far as it goes, it's pretty out there. Yeah. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And it would yeah. definitely be like days before you could get out. So you guys are there now. Yep. We can do this. We can go blow by blow. Okay. So you guys, uh, you guys show up. You're at the wherever the last human outpost is going to be. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, this is going to be super hard. Yeah. We're having like, like we get off the plane and this guy, Levi, picks us up. And he's like the person that will help you get your fuel, get the snowmobiles and the sleds to take you out there with all your gear and stuff. And so we get out there. And we're in, sitting in the car with him. And, like, it's the most different type of people I've ever experienced. So this is a, this guy's a native. Cat. Yeah, yeah. And you're just, like, I mean, just imagine the type of person that, like, half the year they don't really have sun. And, like, you're just way out there and you're just, like, whoa. But at the same time, by the end of the trip, like, you could definitely tell he, like, he cares, you know. Sure. He so won't. you're talking about like, like a super hard person, yeah, and like intense and <laughs> yeah, like no nonsense. Like it's like showed up like a we're like we're like hey hey are you Skinny Levi? White What's boys. up? How's it going? He's like, come. And we're just like, do we do something wrong? <laughs> we pissed off Levi. Already. And so we're both like, you know, we're like, what, what what's it going to be like? We don't know. We get off the plane. We're like, well my snot didn't freeze as soon as I got off the plane. So that's good at least. And then we're, we're sitting in this truck with him right before we get dropped off, like some weird part of town where we're going to like set up our tents because we can't afford uh, a hotel because our credit cards are maxed out. 
because we got like almost no funding for the trip. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then Dave's like, so what's the polar bear danger? And then he just like turns to him and he's like, it is very real. And we're just like, oh, <laughs> like we wanted, we were expecting him to be like, oh no, like no big deal. No big deal. But he's like, he's like, yep. Don't stay in the ice too long. Like get on the wall as soon as right. possible. We're just like, oh my God. And so we get out of the truck and like, we're, we're bundling up, putting all our down jackets on. And then like Dave can't ki- get his feet warm and we're like still in town. And he's like, <laughs> we're just both kind of like, oh my God, what are we doing? Um, but yeah, then we, the next day we go in and like through like the sheer terror that we were like feeling like super overwhelmed and we're like sliding into the fjord and it's the most beautiful thing either of us have ever seen Mm. it's just like so unbelievably amazing just completely white and open because you're sliding in on the frozen ocean and it's just like these huge towering walls that just like keep going and going and going you're just like oh my god and it's so beautiful and it was sunny out and we're like yes it's gonna be so awesome and then we get dropped off and then right after we get dropped it just started like nuking <laughs> like super strong wind we're like getting the tent set up and then later that night we're like okay like maybe text our wives or whatever and then we find out that our sat phone isn't working we're mm-hmm. just like okay here's like another thing that we got to deal with you know and then that's really scary because we have to decide like okay if the sat phone doesn't work do we climb right like, what if something happens right 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 right. the only way that could be like a deal break but but did you have a set pickup date yeah a month out right. And so, so the option would be to just sit and wait for you guys to get eaten by polar bears and go crazy <laughs> if you didn't. Yeah, or you just like climb and hope that nothing would happen. But I mean, we're already like feeling so out there and mm-hmm. then the sat mm-hmm. phone. I mean, I know like people have been going there for a long time without sat phones, you know. Right. But I mean, for us at that point, it was really, 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 really terrifying. And then somehow we got in touch with Dave's girlfriend because we could send outgoing texts, but we right. couldn't get anything. We couldn't make calls. We had tested the sat phone before and called like the test number, but it mm-hmm. like wasn't working. And so we finally get it figured out. And then we're both like crying in our like little base camp tent. Like, oh my God. This is super emotional, sure. man. It's just like, I mean, Dave has like been on, you know, more trips like that, more that are more out there than mm-hmm. I have. And I've spent two seasons, two, two seasons down in Patagonia and even like a full season with him down there, you know? So like, and we've climbed on El Cap, like a ton. And so, you know, we, it's not like, oh, we're like way out of our elements. And I mean, I, I did everything I, I possibly could to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. But man, it was just so full on. Like you can't even like totally prepare for it other than just going and doing it. So let's talk about yeah. the climbing real quick. So you guys are, are you know, it's like you climbed up a whole thousands of feet of, of choss to get to like a headwall, if I remember right. You guys kind of had this like big slab approach or what was that? Yes, yeah, there was like... Um like a thousand feet of climbing more or less like mm-hmm. that was like less than vertical it's like this big ledge and then it was like 2,000 feet right. above there uh, you know a mixture of the most incredible golden splitter like rock that you could ever imagine to like absolute nightmare let me get a feel for this because you know I used to a climb I was a wall climber mm-hmm. in, on El Cap and the whole thing mm-hmm. um, and I never well actually no I went up and climbed proboscis Um, which is like, it's pretty remote, you know, it's no, it's not a snow and ice thing, which is nice. It's not as remote as what you guys are doing, but your story about the sat phone is actually pretty funny because we all went up there and like got on the plane and got dropped off and the helicopter dropped all our shit off and like flew away. And on the way up there, we had talked about getting a radio because you can actually use a radio. Uh-huh. there to contact the lodge yeah um which is like 90 miles away and you 
you know, I think we had to rent a radio from Warren, the guy that does the thing. And like, it was one of those things like, yeah, we got to get a radio. Don't forget to get a radio. And of course, nobody was tasked with getting the radio. And I find it hard to believe that Warren, the guy that was like outfitting us, didn't say, hey, do you guys want this radio? <laughs> so we ended up with no radio. Uh-huh. So we were there for 31 days with no contact, yeah. like no way to contact anybody. Uh-huh. And, you know, I don't remember really feeling like that, like, well, we better be super careful because if somebody gets hurt, because yeah. I was like just way more gung ho than that. Uh-huh. Like, hey, you're not going to get hurt, you know? <laughs> it's like, whatever. I'm not, yeah. not going to be the guy. But we were bouldering one day, like in the middle, of, in a, like a two hours of sun between all the rain we got. And Chris, like, took this, this other Chris Ryder that was with me, took this really horrible, like, digger into this and bruised and cut his thigh up really bad. Uh, and we were just, all of us were, like, kind of bouldering. And we're just like, ah, oh, yeah, that's, this is over. No more bouldering. <laughs> like, if we're going to get, like, if anyone's going to break a femur, it's going to be bouldering, not, yeah. like, eight climbing up on the wall. So yeah. we all just kind of, like, skittered back to the cave and, like, yeah. started drinking again, you know. So, oh, but what I wanted to know is, like, are you at all able to enjoy the climbing when you were up on the wall? I mean, I just kind of get the feeling because I've been in these situations where you're just like, I just need to survive this. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to like break out of that and be like, I'm really, this is interesting climbing. Yeah. It's one thing to break out and look around and be like, I'm in this amazingly beautiful place. Yeah. But were you ever, I mean, were you able to be like, this is good climbing or I'm enjoying these whether it was free climbing if you did any or whether it was aid climbing like this is fun yeah were you ever able to do that because for some reason when I watched the movie I was like god I don't know if I could actually ever enjoy myself I would just be like get this wall done get this wall done get this wall done get we're done with the wall get down get down okay get out of here get out you know what I mean yeah I think what was I think what made the trip so hard is because it kind of started off like so difficult and like because like I had like um like because I I struggle with like anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and so it was just kind of like and sometimes it's like goes up and it goes down and and just for some reason you know it was like on the on the down and like right when we went at the worst possible time, you know, and it was like really, really hard. Cause I mean, I had been, you know, training for this and I had, I had climbed like some smaller walls and you sent me like first descents. Like I had purposely climbed loose rock mm-hmm. to get ready for Baffin Mountain sure. because I've heard about it. Right. And you know, and so, and so when we're out there, there was like, I mean, there was, it was everything, you know, it was, it was the most inspired I'd ever been anywhere. It was the like the most psyched on some of the most beautiful pitches I'd ever climbed. And it was also like the most terrified and the most like homesick I've ever been. And the most like, I've never questioned like what I was doing more than when I was out there, you know? And so it was definitely like a mix of that. And, and you know, Dave, he's like just so stoked all the time. <laughs> Even when he's not stoked, he's stoked. And so, you know, he, he didn't like, you know, struggle as much as I did with that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was definitely really, really, really amazing at times. And then other times it was just like heinous. And that was before the accident happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are climbing on like horrendously loose rock. Yes, we... Times. So we climbed this the route that we called deconstructing Jenga. Okay. Um, and so we did it, and like the whole route, like kind of leaned to the right, and so all the junk that we had to pull off is just like raining down, like away from our camp, sure, away sure. from our rope. And you know, we like climbed it really well and really safe, mm-hmm. and it was you know the hardest route I had ever climbed. And so then we get down, and we're like, well, we have time to climb left. And Dave's like, all right. Route number two, and I'm just like, oh my god, like how am I gonna do this? And I'm like trying to rally, I'm trying to get stoked. Wow, man. And Dave is like, all right, one rest day, we're going back up. And I'm just like, how am I gonna do this? Like, how am I possibly gonna do this? And 
so we have our one rest day and then we like you know start racking up for the second one so it the second route that we started went off of the first thousand feet that we had climbed up to okay. that big ledge so the right. first thousand feet was the slabby terrain up to this big ledge and this other one was this incredible beak seam that like just went straight off the ledge okay. that we weren't entirely sure that was going to completely go but we we're just going to go for it and so dave uh you know climbs this amazing like 210 foot rope stretcher pitch uh or 230. I can't remember if we had 60 or 70 ropes. Anyways, it's not, rope stretcher. Not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he climbed this like amazing pitch. So that you, well, I have my team pack checked it. Yeah. It's, it's no problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he climbed this like rope stretcher pitch that he said was like one of the most, you know, difficult um, and beautiful things he's ever climbed. Meanwhile, I'm sitting down there on the ledge in hell because I'm just like so smoked mm -hmm. because we, I just climbed, spent almost two weeks on this other route and I'm just so fried and like trying to rally, trying to get stoked. All right, like, come on, like, come on, dude, you got this. Well, like, yeah, pull it yeah. Together, I mean, the you the know? partnership thing is can get tricky in that sense because yeah, you want to be the guy that yeah supports what he wants to do and you don't want to be the guy that pulls the plug and yeah like and know. it's it's also what are, what are my reasons for not wanting to grow right. up what what why is it because i just want to be out of this uncomfortable situation but at the same time like something inside me was like do not go up there mm -hmm. like just something like this pit in my stomach mm -hmm. and then i'm just like trying to shut it out and then yeah so then dave you know wraps down on this big ledge, you can take your harness off and run around. And so Dave is setting up the portal ledge, you know, 100 feet to my left while I'm jugging and cleaning okay. the pitch. And so he's setting up the portal ledge to Bivion. Like, it's like a big ledge, but it's really slanting, so you still want to sleep on a portal ledge. And so I'm up there, and I'm cleaning. I get to the anchor, and I'm just so overwhelmed and worked. It's the first time on the whole trip that it had been cold because right. we were like kind of running low on food, and because we weren't eating quite enough. And then I'm at the anchor, and I'm like, there's, I'm crying, and tears are freezing to my glasses, and I'm just like, Dude, what the fuck? Holy cow! How am I gonna like? How am I gonna do this? You know, like I feel like a wreck. And then, okay, I'm, I'm gonna pull up the lead line, stack it up, so we're ready to climb tomorrow. And so I'm pulling up the lead line and the wind is blowing around and it blows over to the left and gets hung up on something. I'm right. like, ah, like why, like why? Like everything is like, feels like it's going wrong, you know? And then I'm like, okay, I'm like flicking it. Just thinking like, oh, my head, it's stuck in a crack way over there. And then as I was doing that, Dave, the haul line that he had trailed up when he was leading was whipping around too from the wind so he ran over underneath me to tie it down right and we failed to communicate for that one second i you know just barely tugged on the rope and then it just unleashed this like huge block right above him and i scream rock and dave looks up tries to jump out of the way and lands like flat on his stomach and then boom oh, fuck like right in the fucking spine dude and like right when it happened i was like i just killed my friend my friend's dead i mean i'm usually like calm and collected and like you know i've seen some and experienced some like gnarly stuff like being on yosard but dude i just like lost it and then like i wrapped down to him and He's like having to calm me down because I'm like freaking out. And he's like, I don't know what's wrong, but we have to get down right now. And so I lay him down on like a sleeping pad and I'm like assessing his spine. Mm -hmm. Like I'm an EMT, you know, from being on Yosar. You know, there's no sharp pain. He has sensation in his toes. He has, you know, but then there's like this huge welt on his back and it, Good thing he's so sturdy. Dude, he is sturdy. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to get you like some pain meds. Like we have to get, like whatever happens, like if we have to call for rescue or whatever, like if, if 
like this is you know whatever's going on like we need to get down so i'm like okay i'm gonna give you some pain meds and i give him some you know some pills and he's like dude these are antibiotics it's like read the label <laughs> i was just like oh my god the emt <laughs> it's like oh yeah thanks sorry <laughs> so but then you like, could have an infection <laughs> So then, yeah, we like, he was, it was just barely enough pain to where he could like walk around and we like, you know, we rigged his harness so it wouldn't weight that part of his back that it like hit. It was like just to the left of his spine. And so we get down to the ice and then we're going to try to call and get a pickup uh, to get out of there earlier and then find out that we had the wrong number to call Levi, the guy, to come back and pick us up. You got some other guy's number? Or so, like, no, he, like, so be... Levi, he's like, here's the emergency number, right. here's my number, here's this. And we're like, okay, sweet. We, like, I wrote it down on my phone, we had a paper, and it was, like, it come to find out it was, like, the wrong area code, which took us three days to figure out, you know. So, but, so then we're having to, like, so wait, okay. So you're like in this dire situation, or although it seems like it probably calmed down, like it, okay, it calmed he's, down, but he's not like his spine is not severed. But you're in this situation, and now you can't like you have three days of like just wondering how you're gonna get out of there. Yeah. So we so we get down to the ice. We try to call Levi, and we have like we don't know what's going wrong. Mm-hmm. And so then the only other person that knows how to get in touch with Levi is. Mike Lebecki and so I have to call Mike and tell him what happened and ask him to call Levi for so you're to... you're calling him in Salt Lake yeah all right no he I think you know he was at five point oh okay the year before oh. <laughs> just kind of ironic. that's awesome yeah totally <laughs> hey Mike what are you doing I'm bathroom. we need uh, you to call Levi for us yeah and um and so, yeah, and the mic's like, I don't know why, like, this is his number, we don't know what's wrong. And, and so then Mike, you know, calls or texts us back and is like, Levi's, like, not in town, he's out hunting. And so, yeah, then, you know, three days later, we get picked up and okay. eventually find out that we had the wrong area code. So where, how long of a drive out to there is it? Uh, it's like five hours on oh, okay. a snowmobile. Right, right. And you got pulled out. Yep. And so, so Levi came in and got us out. Uh-huh. And uh, we, um, Dave's in like a, you know, a ton of pain, and it wasn't like a, you know, life threatening, and it seemed like we could get home before he went to the hospital, you know, right? Like we didn't know like what we we're gonna be able to deal with there, in Clyde River, like this tiny little Inuit town. Um, and so, yeah, so come to find out, like, nothing was broken, and Dave was completely fine. Super sturdy. And we got, like, super, super, super lucky. Right. And it was really, it was, like, the most terrifying experience of my life, you know? And, yeah, it's, like, you know, it's really interesting looking back now. Because I'm able to, like, you know, see parts of the expedition that I wasn't able to see, like, when it was happening, you know, or I realized because I was so overwhelmed or because of my um, mental disposition at the time, it didn't allow me to be present Mm -hmm. what I was doing. And that's, I think, part of the reason that I made the mistake of, oh, I'm just going to, like, I'm, like, whipping the rope, like, I'm going to... Like, I'm not really, I'm just automatically going through the motions of big wall climbing. Right. Like I've done, you know, 40 times or whatever. But, yeah, just like because I wasn't able to be present and in the moment all the time there, like I was making these little mistakes that I would, wouldn't like never, ever make, you know. And so it was definitely like a huge wake-up call for me to know that I need to get my mental stuff together. Because, you know, it like, you know goes into every other part of my life and my marriage and mm-hmm. my climbing and everything you know yeah and then after that uh i was like oh well i think i'm gonna make a film about it because i shot the entire thing mm-hmm. and so that was my question mm-hmm. you just answered my question <laughs> so, so did it cure you are you like are you like over expeditions or is it 
did you have you managed to I mean what's your feeling about it in the film I mean in I don't you know it's like there's some writing involved and 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 you express all this stuff in the end mm -hmm. um and that's kind of one thing I remember thinking like well you know dude's like super into climbing and and you know what's what's going to happen now would you go back are you interested in that kind of thing because it sounded pretty bleak i mean the way you leave the film is pretty bleak like yeah questioning everything or or all that sort of thing so what well, yeah where's your where's your mind on it now um, not on that trip but on yeah. you know is this like uh is this in your future still yeah i don't know i still keep having bad dreams about daffin allen <laughs> Okay. So I feel like once those bad dreams stop, mm -hmm. I feel like I might be able to go back if I was in the right, you know, mental position with the right, mm -hmm. you know, team. You know, a, a team of three would be really incredible out there. Um, and yeah, like after that trip, I've I've kind of been burnt out on climbing. Mm -hmm. uh, just. Because it pretty much just like really, really made me question like, what's my motivation for this, and why, like, why, what's the point? Mm -hmm. like, why would I go out there? You know. Right. And, but at the same time, even though I was burnt out and haven't been doing as much climbing as I have in the past, you know, like, I feel pretty lucky that I was able to work on like my creative projects with you know making films and shooting photos and so that I, so that allows me to like still be in like the community and be in these beautiful places but not deal with any of the gnarliness you know right um and so it's interesting yeah. i mean I, the, my sort of question that was about whether you ever enjoyed the climbing mm -hmm. i mean it was definitely a question that was sort of seated in some of my own feelings about it, mm -hmm. you know, because I sort of gave up big wall climbing and I, you know, I, I was the same way and, and exactly what you said, like you got, you, you climb enough on El Cap or whatever and you, you start to think, okay, well this is just the thing I'm doing until I do the next big thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of burned out on it sooner mm -hmm. and decided I wasn't that into it anymore yeah. because of that feeling of like, well, what is, I mean, the, point is not i guess it's it's sort of cliche to say the point because i mean climbing is a little bit pointless but but when you're not even like really enjoying yourself because mm -hmm. even the last couple walls i did in yosemite i was like you know gearing up at the base and you know it's like i was punching my <laughs> punching the car and i'm like okay here we go i'm gonna yeah. climb this thing am i like super stoked to climb it no it's just the next hardest thing it's uh, like what i you know i envisioned yeah. i would get to climbing where yeah. i'm climbing these a4s and a5s and stuff yeah and yeah it was definitely like this moment of like well fuck yeah you know yeah it's amazing and i'm glad i did it and it had all these other effects but mm -hmm. i don't know it seems like to to plug back in the way like Mike does yeah. is pretty unique actually. Yeah. And with that in mind, you know, I know like a lot of folks that have gone to Baffin before you and you know, a lot of them, they're not climbing anymore mm -hmm. as far as I know, yeah. or they've moved on to these whole other things in their lives. Yeah. Because I, I mean, geez, I mean, Lebeck, he's a, he's a freak and yeah. I don't think, I mean, and not, I'm not insulting the guy in any way. Yeah, no, he's he, just like, he knows that he's I built for it. Yeah. You know? you know? Yeah. I think, so one thing that I struggle with is, is I, I enjoy like pushing my personal limit and I enjoy like, you know, progressing, but I don't like that the progression is leading into more and more danger exactly and so and i'm just like that's exactly like, right so that means like the better i get the more dangerous i get absolutely yeah and that's a like, climbing man and so and not just the grades but the places yeah you know, it's like okay well we did it here let's go to antarctica let's go yeah. like i mean let's go climb under the ocean i don't know what's next yeah. but like yeah so i don't know i mean but at the same time like i i want to go to these places so bad because I'm so inspired to like to make more films and photograph because it's so unbelievably amazing mm -hmm. you know and so I think if I did go back it'd be in a different capacity where I'd be in like the, more of a storytelling role you know 
but still be a part of the team. But like, man, my desire to go climb A5 on Baffin is like non-existent, you know? Right. But to go and to go on expeditions with a really amazing group of friends Mm -hmm. and go learn about these beautiful places and, you know, hone our crafts, like that's really inspiring. But like the gnarliness is... I don't want to. You Is know, it disappointing that? I mean, because I mean, I I know like. I mean, at least again, the way that I progress, like, you envision yourself this certain way, mm-hmm. in that like I will be the guy that will yeah. do this, you know. Yeah, it definitely like part of it is disappointing because I know that my acceptable level of risk is lower than it used to be before. And I mean, I know this usually happens to people that are older than me. <laughs> <laughs> like who, for example? <laughs> is there anyone you can think you. of that but no, it's just you kind just of like met a, today? That <laughs> it's kind of like a progression. And I think, I mean, I'm still young and I'm still already like reeling it in a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Because like, I don't want to die climbing. It's not worth dying for, you know? But at the same time, this life going to experience these amazing places with amazing people is like worth living, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm trying to find that balance and I'm, I'm definitely struggling with that, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, I don't know. I'm, st- I'm still working through it. It's still, it's still something that like still weighs super heavy on me, you know? And even though like in the worst possible way, it was like one of the most incredible learning experiences I'll ever have, you know, like, but yeah. And are you still working saw? Uh, no. Okay. I worked, uh, one year as a climbing ranger volunteer and I mm-hmm. like, got to go on a bunch of rescues with the team and then spent three seasons after that, like working on the SAR site in the Valley. And then now I'm just like freelance photographer and filmmaker. Okay. And so it's a, like, we're well into this and, uh, sometimes I start here, so I don't want to get super detailed, but yeah. a little bit of a path. You mentioned anxiety, depression. Have you struggled with that? Like your whole life with when you're a kid? Um, I mean, it's really interesting because like, so it really started affecting me. Like when I was going to school at CU. Okay. In so Boulder. college. Right. And, but now looking back I'm like man I've had anxiety like my whole entire life Mm -hmm. I mean I can remember like being a little kid crying because I was worried that I was not going to get this remote control car for Christmas you know like just like that type of worrying that I Mm -hmm. still worry about you know and so I'm definitely like trying to work through did you get it I did get it okay good That's good. That's good. But it's just, good it's, yeah, it's really interesting to like look back and like, man, like this is something I've dealt with for a really mm. long time, which makes it really hard because it's like a lot of stuff you still, I got to go through, you know? So but, with climbing, you grew up in Denver? I grew up in Aurora. Oh, in Aurora. Okay. Yeah, Den- so, Denver suburb for, yeah, yeah. for folks who don't live in Colorado. Yeah. So I lived there for um, most of my life and I started climbing when I was 16 mm-hmm. when I took this, uh, class in high school called adventure education okay and these uh my teacher was like all right kids this is big wall climbing in yosemite and these are climbers sleeping on a portal edge and i was like what and just blew my mind that was like day one that was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> when i was like right. i was like that's the coolest thing i've ever heard of uh-huh. and for my 16th birthday i got a haul bag and some quick draws really <laughs> yeah a haul bag and a set of quick draws you're on your way six quick draws nice. <laughs> perfect you're done you're good to go if you're hans florian you've got enough to do the nose there yeah <laughs> yeah and then what was it about it that like clicked into your life once you started actually climbing and not just seeing pictures of kids on on or people on portal edges and stuff like that i think it was the first time that it was my own thing that my parents weren't like forcing me to go to go do you know like Mm -hmm. i played soccer all growing up and so that was kind of something i had to go to do and it was sort of mandatory but then when i found climbing it was like my own thing i didn't know anyone else that climbed and i was like it just opened up like this whole world and I got connected to like with my buddy Mike 
like right away when I started climbing and he's like, all right, kid, come with me. We're going to Eldo. And he like, I just spent like a whole summer like following him at Eldo. And it was just like the most incredible mm-hmm. thing I'd ever experienced. And then went to see you because I was like, all right, there's lots of cool climbing in Boulder and, um, lasted about a year and a half before kind of like my anxiety and depression got so bad. And I, I just like felt so aimless cause I didn't want a single career that whatever CU could have given me. And that's when I dropped out. I got a grant to go to Patagonia, had like an incredible time down there, met my future wife, started working in Yosemite. Now here we are. Well, here we are. <laughs> that's, I guess that, that that's nice brief kind of, uh, you know, rundown of, of getting you to Yosemite and getting you on these big walls. Yeah. And, and are you a soloist? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that means. Well, in terms of, I mean, not just with or without a rope, but, um, I mean, I've soloed a dozen routes, okay. a dozen big walls in Yosemite. I've right. soloed El Cap five times. Okay, cool. Yeah. And what do you think that brings to the mix? Um, I think like the first time I soloed El Cap, I think it was like me wanting to prove to myself. I mean, partly it was like one motivation other than just being really inspired by the idea of doing it was to, to start at the bottom by yourself and make it to the top by yourself. Like only with your skill and your own Mm -hmm. willpower. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I was I soloed the Zodiac in a day. Uh, oh, just in a day. Yeah. Nice. That was the first one. <laughs> That's the way to go, right? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, um, I guess sort of moving into the end here, um, what what do you think climbing looks like for you now then? I mean you talked about working with with film and and making movies and stuff like that, but what about personally? Well, I mean, yeah, like I was saying before, like I've been pretty burnt out and then for the first time in over a year, like this weekend, I was climbing out at Eagle Lake Cliff in South Lake Tahoe and it was like the most fun I've had since probably Baffin Island. And I was like, it was like, cause since then it, I don't know. There's definitely some sort of like PTSD going on with the accident that happened on Baffin. And so like every time I go in, like climbing is somehow related to stress and anxiety and all that. And so it's been like really difficult because it was like this one thing that gave me freedom. And now it like was doing the exact opposite, you know, but then I had like I mean, it was super awesome to go out with some really good friends and climb these like really, really awesome cracks in South Lake. And then today, it's kind of ironic. I just um, was able to have a clinic with Arno Ilgner. He's, I think I'm saying his last name right. He's yeah, Ilgner. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the author of the Rock Warriors Way, mm-hmm. which was like, has been super influential for me since I first started climbing. And so I got connected with him and I just had like, such an amazing experience with him today and I'm like really really inspired to you know start climbing again and what what did he tap into kind of the thing the reason that I've been having such a hard time climbing is like I'm, I'm scared to fall I'm scared of like I'm just a little bit paranoid of everything after the accident and today it was really about paying attention to being in the moment or Okay, so the main idea is attention in the moment on the task. Mm-hmm. And because sometimes when I go climbing, like everything is, my mind is spinning and there's all this anxiety and blah, blah, blah. But today it was just like, no, like we're going to practice falling and like you're going to be present and you're going to like, you're going to notice all the things that you see. You're going to notice like your breath. You're going to like all these things when you fall. Mm-hmm. And so we're like practicing falling or, um, or these like little things that he's been able to tap into that have been really incredible to like help work through some of those fears and stresses that are have been debilitating for me over not just like over the past year but since I first started climbing in Yosemite, mm-hmm. you know. And so I feel super lucky that he's kind of willing to, you know, work with me a little bit and try to. Did you? Get so is he like? To, uh, were you guys in terms of? Uh, clinic is you've discussed all this stuff with him 
yeah in terms of like this is what i this is what i'm going through yeah okay. totally i sent him like oh, okay. i sent him an email i was like i was like dude i don't know because i mean this like even this summer i'm like man am i ever gonna climb like i used to like am i ever gonna climb again you know and then i i just like sent him some random emails like i don't know if this will get to him or anything but i was like hey like this is what i'm going through is this something that might be able to work on Mm -hmm. and then yeah we were able to connect today and it was like so inspiring and i like feel like totally rejuvenated and i feel like i'm like kind of glowing because because it's like this huge thing that like this huge part of me that's been missing you know Mm -hmm. but yeah as you were sort of coming up climbing and and especially in yosemite and you know your name it's popped up there's been people that have asked me to have you on the show and you know it's here and there this kind of like big wall hot shot and i know that's like nothing that you've ever wanted but you know your name comes up and and with with some of these ascents Uh were your friends and were your partners and stuff aware of these struggles or was it something that you just kind of kept to yourself um yeah one thing that's really hard about it is it's really really hard to talk about Mm -hmm. even with my wife it's just like something that kind of like suck makes you like be super introverted about it Mm -hmm. and like it's just like this cyclical thing in your mind and definitely like some of my client partners like know about it but you know others it's really hard to talk about and only certain people that I can open up to. Well, you just it. opened up to the entire normal. <laughs> I know. Well, no, but at the same time, like, I'm okay talking about it because I, you know, I, I do think there are people that struggle with it, and and like, I hate feeling like I'm so alone, but I don't think I am, you know. And I think there are more people that deal with it, and I wish that it was, you know, if someone has an ankle injury they're gonna post on facebook hey what is it someone done oh, for shit. yeah you're right you know yeah. and like it this there's this other thing where it's like you look at my instagram you're like oh shane's cool he's psyched and I'm like actually i'm kind of dealing with a lot you know right so. yeah and, and, and it you know again some of the things you said like just remind me of moments and you know when when you said you got off the plane and like or at some point you both admitted to each other how freaked out you were yeah you know and i've had climbs where yeah you're you're not wanting to be the guy that says like i'm freaking out yeah and we need to go down mm-hmm. and so you're just like quietly dealing and hoping you're not like showing yeah because you know it's like if you have a really good partner or whatever it's like yeah. sometimes there's a little mild competition and like yeah. who you know and i've had those situations exactly like you said like on the painted wall on the serpent in the black with yeah. my buddy rob i was just like finally like I don't, I mean, I think we're done. Like, I yeah. think we have to go down. Uh-huh. And he was instantly like, yeah. He's like, I've been, I wanted to go down like two pitches ago. You know, like both of us were just like, the other guy has to break, you know, like, and as soon as we said it, we're like, let's get out of here. Yeah. You know? And down we went yeah. and, and lo and behold, like, I don't know if it was the same year early next year, like a whole pitch of the thing fell off. Ugh. Cause we were both like talking about how it just feels weird up here, you know? Yeah. Like, so who yeah. knows what we were feeling or, I mean, I'm definitely like trying to tap into more of that gut intuition and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I want to be. I mean, it's hard for me to, like, communicate, like, with my partners about that stuff. Sure. You know, but I think it's it's important, like, you know, the next trip I go on, I want it to be with, like, really close friends mm-hmm. that, you know, that understand that side of me. And at the same time, like, the thought of me being able to go on an expedition and be able to have, like my mental situation straightened out right and to be able to like feel free like while climbing is like i mean and while being able to document it is like the dream you know mm-hmm. i mean it seems like a really huge task because even if i go cracking sometimes i get like sick to my stomach with like nervousness you know but it's something i gotta work through and I hope I can I can do it. Well, you know? you, you've got you're 25, right? Are you yeah. bullshitting me? No, I'm 25. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you've been climbing what for a decade now? About uh, a more? Yeah, a little less. Oh, a little less. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, what have you? Because I, you know, I have gotten emails from people. I've I've talked to people who mm. it's like either they know they want to be a climber but they're they have they struggle with these things a lot of people struggle with fear 
even yeah. if they're pretty experienced climbers yeah. and, and falling and all those sorts of things specifically. But is there anything you could just, uh, I mean, even in the short time, you're obviously dealing with it yeah. that you've like, is there anything you've learned like that you might tell somebody because you're, the reason I also asked you if you told your partners or anything is because you're right. Like from the outside looking in, you know, you're this like wall climber that's climbed yeah. up cap however many times and done 40 big walls. And, you know, it's, it's really easy just to assume you're just like, you're just like Dave, you're just like ultra psyched all the time. Yeah. So what would you tell people, you know, sort of struggling with this on a serious level? Obviously we're always, yeah, all of yeah. us are scared some of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think just knowing that like those feelings you have are real and like you can do things to work through it, but like try to not beat yourself up about it and, and like know that it's part of the experience and definitely trust your gut feeling and try to let others, other people's influences not affect you too much, you know, cause it's hard cause then your ego gets involved and you've got these pressures you put on yourself. But if you don't want to do something like if climbing isn't making you happy, like don't go climbing, you know, but I don't know. I think just knowing that like lately I've even been like asking a bunch of my friends or like people that I look up to me. Do you, do you, were you scared up there on that route? And he was like, oh yeah. I'm like, okay. Or even like, even I got to, I got to talk to Jimmy Chen for a little bit. So I was like, so were, were you like nervous before you went up on Meru? And he's like, oh yeah. I was just like, it was like a huge relief. Cause I look up, I feel like something is wrong with me. Uh-huh. Like all these people have what it takes and I don't. Right. But it's not true. No, it's you know, it's, it's part true. of that yeah. experience and it's, and it's okay. And, you know, Arno's book, the rock Warriors way is like a really, really incredible tool. And I definitely recommend anyone using it, but, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. You survived. <laughs> you survived the normal cast. You were a little reluctant. I know. I didn't want to come on the show. I'm glad I got you off of that. Off of that. Yeah, off, no, it's good. Off of doing that thing with Arno. Because you walked in here like you were ready to go. Dude, I was psyched. Which I was, I was like in full Zen mode. All right. Good, good. Thank you, Arno. And actually, I, I've talked to him about it before and definitely need to get that cat on the show. Yeah. Yeah. You should. I, I've always liked that book too. And if you're yeah. a, yeah, if you got some level of discontent with your climbing, whether it's fear or just scatterbrained or any of those things mm-hmm. man it's a it's a great resource especially yeah. for track climbers yeah you know because that's like a i mean being scared above your gear is just like i mean everybody's scared above their gear man. yeah everybody at least a little bit if you're not you're gonna get killed i think so yeah right on well thanks shane thanks yeah. for sitting down yeah thanks so much Thanks for listening, and thanks to Shane for sitting down. Went really well, I thought. Thanks to uh, Shane for opening up like he did. Looking forward to see what that guy does behind the camera again in the future and uh, and climbing-wise. So once again, we can look forward to uh, Dave's episode, his partner Dave. Uh, The other side of that story, which um, is a different perspective in many ways. Because as we talked about in the episode, Dave... Is a quite a bit different personality, but a lot of respect between those two guys, which I think reflects well on both of them. So look forward to that. Okay, folks, remember you can help out the EnormaCast by going to EnormaCast.com and clicking on the Help Out tab. That's still run by you guys, not just uh, not just in spirit, but financially as well. So head over there. You can work for me. Work it. Yeah, you can uh, post things online about the show help out by writing a review at itunes and tell your friends please 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 tell your friends also i forget to remind people that t-shirts are available at adiac.com that's a-d-a-y-a-k.com check those out too
All right, enough selling. Got to get on my way. It's time for the normal baby to go to bed. And just like I will tuck him in safe and sound and make sure he has everything he needs, treat your partner the same way. Look them in the eye. Communicate. Tell them that you love them. Kiss them on the forehead. Then look down at their crotch and check their knot. Come far, pilgrim. Feels like far. Were it worth the trouble? What trouble?